Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. All right, so we're now approaching, if not over, episode 200 of this podcast. And thank you all for really being with me on this journey. It's been absolutely incredible. Over the course of the past 200 episodes, I've talked about hydration, but I've never done an episode fully dedicated to water. If you run in health circles, the name Robert Slovak has come up probably several times before. He took his engineering background and co-founded a company called Water Factory Systems in the early 1970s. Robert and his brother were among the early developers of reverse osmosis technology and its many applications. If you're unfamiliar with that term, don't worry, we cover it extensively in this podcast. Now, why did I want to dedicate an entire episode to water? Like many topics on this podcast, there are often times where I get into arguments with either family members, someone close to me, friends, somebody who I respect, and want to set the record straight. And that is the case, of course, when it comes to water. We get into why you may not want to trust your tap water. We get into reverse osmosis technology, deuterium depleted water, and we define that, of course, what filters to select, and so much more. Robert is an absolute wealth of knowledge, and you can probably expect to see him back on the podcast sometime in the future. The show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Slovak. That's S-L-O-V-A-K. Enjoy my conversation with Robert Slovak. As a technology fiend, I get a number of different gadgets. In fact, I switch quite often. If you were to ask me what I'm wearing, using, buying this month, it may be completely different next month. But the ones that stick, the technologies that I use every day or frequently are few and far between. And when it comes to transcranial and intranasal photobiomodulation, my device of choice is the V-Lite. And I know a lot of you superhumans out there love the V-Lite as well. The V-Lite, I stick it up my nose, I put it on my head, and I go into an absolute relaxation mode with my neuro alpha in, well, let's just say by the time I'm done my meditation 20 minutes later. It's fantastic. It enhances my meditations. It makes my sleep better. And like I say, it's one of the few devices that I'll throw into a carry-on bag and travel with. You can get yours by listening to this podcast, going to the show notes, or heading over to vlight.com, that's V-I-E-L-I-G-H-T, and using the code BOOMER to get yourself 10% off. Let's get to my conversation with Robert Slovak. Robert, you and I have many mutual friends, so this is a, a conversation that I've long awaited having, so thank you for coming on the show. You're very welcome. I'm honored to be on your show and and finding out that you're you're in Amsterdam, one of my favorite places. 
yeah, you've spent quite a bit of time here in the water industry. And it's not surprising that the industry's conference happens to be in Amsterdam, which is actually underwater. So uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, you are the water guys. (laughs) And some of the first work I did uh, in reverse osmosis uh, ended up, uh, I would say, most of the work on RO was done in the United States, really under the government uh, government uh, programs, uh, because they looked at revert this technology as the hope to make fresh water from seawater. That, that's what it was all about in the beginning. But the first country to take an interest and invite me over was, of course, uh, Netherlands. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. The, the engineers here, especially just to keep this place, uh, not really yeah, above water per se, but not flooded is, uh, quite yeah, amazing. It's, it's genius. I mean, they've done things that are just incredible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Robert, I, I want to cover just a couple of basics with you on water. Okay. Uh, so If I were to look at, let's say, my parents or my extended family, uh, that I go to their houses, and actually my parents are not guilty of this, but certainly the extended family or just relatives of mine, uh, they'll drink tap water or municipal water. Why should someone be concerned about the water that is coming out of their tap? I mean, it's obvious in places like Mumbai, you don't want to drink the tap water. But if we're in sort of municipal cities in the United States, certain parts of Europe, uh, why should we avoid it? Well, you know, since uh, the mid-70s, there is the United States EPA uh, Drinking Water Act, which was the first time that formally the government became involved in standards for all cities that have, I think, more than 25 customers you have to meet some standards called the EPA drinking water standards. And those standards include a list of contaminants that are in two categories. One are contaminants that affect your health. And ones are contaminants that, that, that have an aesthetic, an aesthetic effect in your life, like hardness. Okay. I mean, it, 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 Uh, scales your fixtures in your home and it makes the laundry not come out right. So there are standards even for that. And those aesthetic standards uh, are not, cities are not obliged to do it. They're just recommendations, but the other standards have to be met. So if you look at all the municipalities in North America, for instance, the variety and differences among them in terms of the contaminants and water problems is vast. Mm -hmm. And, and including it's their natural, their natural features, like the minerals and trace elements in them. I always tell people, it doesn't matter what minerals and trace elements are in your tap water, because it varies from city to city so radically that some are almost like distilled water where it rains a lot and others are, you know, it's, it's like a brick coming out of your faucet. So just don't use that as your guide. Oh, I don't want to remove minerals from my tap water. It, it, It doesn't matter. There aren't enough minerals or valuable minerals in your tap water for people who are really health concerned. 
but can, but to meet the standards of the EPA, you have to meet microbiological standards and, and toxic chemical standards. That's the basic categories. And those toxic standards uh, in, include natural substances. Arsenic is naturally in the water, okay? In some areas, it's too high. Fluoride can naturally be in the water, and, and there's a standard for that. And then the cities, as you know, put fluoride in the water. And guys like you and I don't want fluoride in the water, right? Mm -hmm. Because it 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 is it is a chemical that that we should we should avoid in lieu of its potential dangers to our body. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and there's many things that have driven the whole fluoride uh, in tap water. But you know now we have because recycling of water is a big deal in the world. You know the world's running out of water in in many areas, so re water is recycled in the city. I, I spent Orange County, California. I'm sure you've been yeah. there. So Orange County is really the first place to do large scale recycling of its sewage. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know if you you know that. Uh, I used to live in Singapore, and they were doing the similar thing too. Yeah. Yes, uh, I think most of the work because I did some research there myself is was at something called Water Factory Twenty One in Fountain Valley, Orange County, California, mm -hmm. and it's a facility that 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 was uh, installed next to the sewage treatment plant, and the sewage after it goes through many stages of treatment, et cetera, et cetera, is then shuttled over to the reclamation plant where they run it through starting with reverse osmosis membranes mm -hmm. and then other filtration technologies and oxidative things and ozone and ultraviolet. And then they inject that water back into a riverbed. And then that water goes throughout the county into aquifers that other that the, the individual cities draw upon. Mm -hmm. So there are contaminants just from that. Elusive contaminants, pharmaceuticals, Tylenol, uh, eyeliner that end up in the sewage. Mm -hmm. So there's that to be concerned with. So the municipality puts chemicals in the water that we don't that health-minded people don't want. And then there are natural ones in the water as well. So it, it, it's, it's a minefield. No one, in my opinion, in North America, unless you live in you know, your, a, a remote area in Montana or, or you know, in a very natural, pristine area, I would definitely always have something to treat my water. Mm -hmm. So when it, I, I just want to pull out a couple of those chemicals that you mentioned, Go because I think it's important for people to know, uh, just for instance, like fluoride, arsenic, what are some of the potentials here? Uh, if I were to intake, uh, maybe not a glass because a glass maybe is okay, but if you were to take this water over a period of time, what does it do to our bodies? Okay, so there's obviously some water supplies have heavy metals in them. Mm -hmm. The whole list of, you know, 
I mean, we some just of them lived, are pretty famous, right? <laughs> like, yeah, Flint, Michigan, yeah, right? Yeah, lead in the water, and and that lead, uh, you know, that lead was from the pipes. It wasn't from the water supply. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they didn't manage the chemistry of the water, and so it extracted lead from the pipes and and caused a lot of human damage. Um, but obviously, there's almost every pesticide, herbicide, glyphosate, you name it, that can be detected in the water. Mm -hmm. The question is, does it meet the standard or not? And the question also is, do you believe the standard covers (laughs) your body? It's it's like recommended daily allowances, right? With vitamins, it's the standards are not great. And, And it is sad that... Your, your, your audience should get, if they live in certainly North America, I don't know if this exists in, in very many places in Europe. I don't think so. But you can get the drinking water, EPA drinking water report. Mm-hmm. And you literally just Google EPA drinking water report for Clearwater, Florida. Okay. Or, or Chicago. Mm-hmm. Now, the only unfortunate thing is, and I don't know if it's intended, that no one will be able to understand and read that report except guys like me. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, it's sad. And a lot of people ask me to use their report, which I get myself into because I tell people, or it, a com- I'd say 98% of the people who find out, hey, that guy knows his water stuff. They will write me an email and say, what kind of filter should I have for my house? Mm-hmm. And I try to explain to them, it's like walking into a doctor's office and say, can you write me a prescription? Yeah. Okay. And, and so I always say in all of my presentations, look, step number one, please, you must find out what is in your water supply mm-hmm. to know how to address it. You may be in a, 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 a wonderful place in Idaho, and you know what? All you need is an inexpensive carbon filter. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't even use treatment chemicals there, et cetera. They don't recycle the water, et cetera. You know, and all it is is they ensure that it's microbiologically pure. You really don't need anything more. Mm-hmm. But I need to know this. And then that brings on the problem of, well, the only way to know it is to get that report, but nobody can read that report. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. There are also contaminants that are elusive. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the contaminant category called trihalomethanes. Okay. I've stumbled THM. across that one, but that's just because I'm a nerd. THMs is the acronym for trihalomethane. It's a group of four chemicals. Now, those chemicals don't normally exist in the source water for a city. But almost every city, by the time it gets to your home, it has some trihalomethanes in it. Now, what's wrong with trihalomethanes? Well, they're carcinogens, and they're also linked to miscarriages. Mm-hmm. So how do they get in there? Well, when you chlorinate water, to disinfect it, and everybody has to disinfect the water to assure 
that it's not going to deliver any pathogens to the people who are on that water supply, that they either use chlorine or chloramines or chlorine dioxide. Very rarely in America do we use just something like ozone, which is more common where you live, Mm -hmm. where they just use ozone. But America uses chemicals. It took many decades to figure out, and it it was just science and detection levels, et cetera, that the chlorine was reacting with natural organic matter in the water, Mm -hmm. which would be like just molecules of decomposed leaves and 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 earth earthy things okay it's in all water in the world they never realized that the chlorine would react with that and form a carcinogenic chemical because mm-hmm. chlorine is is really it's not a big contaminant mm-hmm. it may be objectionable from an aesthetic standpoint but it's not your body deals with chlorine very easily mm-hmm. So you may not like it in your shower, but it's not a big deal. It's not going to kill you, shorten your life. Mm-hmm. But chlorine, when it reacts with the, uh, the organic molecules, forms these series of chemicals we call THMs or trihalomethanes. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at your water report, you'll see that five years ago, the level of trihalomethanes y- y- used to be uh, I believe it was 150 parts per billion mm-hmm. PV. And then as researchers were, were studying its biological effects, they said, we're recommending it go to 80 parts per billion. Mm-hmm. But when you look deeper into the whole EPA contaminant problem, you realize that there is another column they had to create called the maximum contaminant level goal. Now, what is that? No one would understand that on a water report. Mm -hmm. That means that this contaminant is so serious that we have a goal that no one, very few can meet. And if you meet it, you couldn't afford the water. Okay. So that economic factor comes in but they still publish the goal and the goal for trihalomethanes is zero. Yeah. There is no safe level, but it's in virtually every water supply in North America that chlorinates their water. So there, I had an experience at a health show and a woman came to me and said, can you tell me what I need for my water? And I said, well, you know, wh- wh- where do you live? She said, I live in Jacksonville, Florida. And, and she goes, you know, what, 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 tell me what brand I need. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll order. No, no, no. We have to find out about Jacksonville water. Yeah. Let's go on the computer right now. We went on the computer and um, I look up Jacksonville. I'm going, not, not bad. Your, your water supply is not. And I stop and I see trihalomethanes that the levels have gotten so high that, that, that they also, they had to order or issue letters to all the people that they've violated the standard. And nobody reads those letters, right? (laughs) She said, I never remember receiving one. And maybe they didn't. Who knows? 
And she goes, what's wrong with them? I said, well, I mean, I said, do you have any daughters of childbearing age in your home? And she goes, no, n- not, an- not any longer. And I said, well, th- I mean, this is, this is the most serious case of trihalomethane violation I've ever seen. And what does it do? I said, well, the concern is that, you know, it's not only a carcinogen, but it causes miscarriage. And she like turned white. And she said, while I've lived in this home, I have had five miscarriages. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that I, I always use this as an example of the importance of really understanding if you're a biohacker, if health is important to you to really understand what your water report is. And it's a dilemma because yeah. there aren't many guys who can read that report. So I'm hoping that to solve, this is one on my bucket list things to solve. How do we fix this problem? Mm-hmm. Well, of letting people know what the problems are. Yeah, exactly. Education is the first step for sure. <laughs> now, Robert, when we start looking at potential ways to solve this problems, as you alluded to, many people probably come up to you at health shows and I get approached with with this question all the time. It's just sort of, what is the best filter to use? Uh, Is it, is it the Brita? Is it the Berkey? Is it uh, something else? And help us navigate this because like everything in the health world, it's a little bit of a landmine. There's a lot of bullshit out there. And I, I would just love for you to just shed some clarity on this for us. Bottom line, bottom line. For all the categories of contaminants that can be in water that include inorganics, most of which are natural, like lead, arsenic, okay? Chromium-6 mm-hmm. uh, can be natural, or it could be from industry. Then we have microbiologicals. We have uh, all the pesticides and herbicides show up in water supplies, usually to part per billion levels, but they're there. And they're in every glass of water. I mean, I think you can find the glyphosate in every municipal water supply in the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's in the air, it falls on the, the lakes and rivers, and it gets in the water supply. There's no method for the city to, to remove all the glyphosate. You couldn't afford the water, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, you have pharmaceuticals now in the water, uh, endocrine disruptors, a, a, a myriad of, of chemicals. You have industrial chemicals, usually called volatile organic chemicals, leaking gas tanks. Um, Just imagine how many solvents are sprayed on things every day. Mm -hmm. So those end up getting in the water supply. People rinse down the driveway. That gets in the water supply. So if we take all these contaminants, how many are there? Well, there's over 100, uh, over 100 that could be in a municipal water supply. Mm -hmm. And there's probably another 150 that are recognized, but Congress has not released them Mm -hmm. into the standards because if they did, once again, no one could afford the water. Mm -hmm. So they just hold them back, like hoping that a technology will come along that will enable them to, to remove these things. So if we take all these categories of contaminants, 
All of them are chemically different, have different characteristics, and, and what can remove them is very different. There's only two methods that someone that, that are capable of removing virtually all of the categories. Distil, then this is the bottom line right here. It's coming. Drum roll. Distillation plus activated carbon mm -hmm. and reverse osmosis plus activated carbon. One could never go wrong other than choosing the wrong distiller or the wrong or, or, or a bad reverse osmosis system. And they exist mm -hmm. in greater numbers than the good ones. Mm -hmm. And that's the other side of the hazard of getting a water purification system. Mm -hmm. But those two technologies, if you just start there, those are the only two that your and my audience should even consider. Unless you live in some pristine area, okay, where, you know, it's, 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 it's not affected by agriculture, industry, you know, nothing. And you're not probably not listening to a podcast there, right? <laughs> so it's just. And, and exactly. Yeah. So suffice to say, everybody listening here should look into distillation plus the carbon plus reverse osmosis. Now, the logical question from a lot of people listening to this is going to be, okay, Robert, what the hell are those? What does that mean? Okay, so distillation really approximates the natural nature's method, which is of purifying water on earth, which is also called the hydrologic cycle, mm -hmm. where the sun evaporates you know if you go back to eighth grade the sun evaporates water from the oceans and and the air currents uh, carry that water vapor that's evaporated over the hills and mountains of the earth and it snows and rains because it condenses it due to the cooler temperature and it falls on the ground some of it gets absorbed into the ground and that stays in places called aquifers which can be drawn upon. Some aquifers cover three or four states, okay, in the United States. And the rest of it ends up going in little streams that make little rivers that end up making flowing into lakes and ultimately back to the ocean. That's the hydrologic cycle. And that uses distillation where you heat water to a vapor state most contaminants, not all, most contaminants will stay behind. Mm -hmm. All the heavy metals, lead atoms, arsenic atoms, chromium will stay behind mm -hmm. because the vapor is, it leaves them behind. Mm -hmm. And then the distiller condenses that by cooling the water. And then uh, you, you have in that water some potential low molecular weight, more volatile things like trihalomethanes, okay? okay? Like uh, synthetic organic chemicals, plasticizers, etc. Mm -hmm. That distillation does not remove itself, but then you put it through activated carbon, which is really the best technology to absorb these kinds of contaminants that are low molecular weight. That combination really does you a, a, a great benefit through your lifetime of protecting you from water contaminants. Mm. 
reverse osmosis is achieves the same thing, but instead of using energy and heat, it uses something that you know that I've been involved with all of my life mm-hmm. and starting in 1971, okay, long before you were born. And uh, so so um, the, it, reverse osmosis uses a membrane that let's say looks like heavy duty saran wrap, mm-hmm. okay? I don't know if saran wrap is still made, but I use that phrase for a long time. We, we still have it in the grocery store here in Europe, which means- Very good. Okay, yeah. saran wrap. It looks like heavy duty saran wrap and it has a property and it's one of the genius discoveries of, of, of America by, by an Indian scientist called Suri Rajan in, in about the mid fifties. Mm-hmm. And he discovered that one can make this polymer that rejects most things except water. So only water goes through the membrane. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of simplifying. Of course. Only water goes through the membrane and some of those volatile chemicals. Okay. Same problem with distillation. The little tiny volatile molecules can go through, but it removes all the heavy stuff, the heavy metals, microbiologicals, et cetera, et cetera, uh, frogs and twigs, you name it. And then the water comes out of that membrane, very, quite pure. And um, then you put it through a carbon filter to remove the residual more volatile contaminants. Mm -hmm. And then both produce pretty much equivalent water, certainly more than enough for any of the most uh, demanding biohacker in terms of health. Mm -hmm. Wow. There's many different directions I can take this. Now, (laughs) if we take, uh, let's focus on reverse osmosis water because uh, you were so very involved in the field from the the right at the beginning. when we take reverse osmosis water, and there's many uh, devices out there, and I'd love your opinion on which are the best, but when we take that at the its end state, it's gone through the process, do we need to re-add minerals to this in order to get the very, you know, some of the things that kind of get stripped out of that? Do we need to re-add minerals, or is it perfectly okay to drink in that state? Okay. And this is... This is like the the ultimate question that gets asked. If you were to have an ideal diet mm-hmm. of, of of produce and eggs and butter and so on that was that was biodynamically grown, mm-hmm. let's just imagine this thing that's not going to happen for most of your your audience very hard to do in a city that's for sure (laughs) right on um you probably do not have to add minerals and trace elements Mm -hmm. the food will easily carry you however because biodynamic food is not going to be available And this is one of the most important things that I can tell your audience. Whether you need it or not in the water, you should take advantage of the water's ability to deliver, deliver 
a full suite of minerals and trace elements. Now we've gotten bored, your and my colleagues, etc. we have gotten bored about the subject about minerals and trace elements. Mm-hmm. If you ask somebody, hey, do you take minerals? Yeah, I take minerals. It's, but it's not the sexiest it. thing in the world, right? So It's not the sexiest thing, yeah. man. And there's a lot of cool, sexy things, you know, NAD, AMPK, we can go for it. Metabolic activators, but minerals are boring. Mm-hmm. And I have spent 17 years, and you, I don't know if you saw the story where I brought a product called Canton Marine Plasma. Yep, I'm familiar with Somebody it. I use it. Probably in Brazil. Okay. And and I'm the guy who brought it to America. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you are aware of that. Mm-hmm. I discovered it in Brazil because it saved my life. It's a very dramatic story to me. And it changed my life and my career. And it made me realize when I studied, when it saved my life, I had no idea what what the heck it was even in it or why it did it until I studied in Brazil with an Argentine biologist who said, sit down, I'm going to change your life. And we were both scientists and and he changed my life. Mm -hmm. And what was supposed to be a 30 minute little blast of what, and I happen to have it here because I'm so fond of it. These are yeah, yeah, the vials. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> Isotonic and hypertonic. <laughs> Instead of a 30-minute meeting, it went from nine o'clock at night till seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> With me not even speaking a word, just my jaw was open at what he opened up to me. And it comes back to, and, and maybe there's a time we can just do one on minerals and trace elements. I think, I think that's going to be a separate important. podcast and in general. I try to convince, and doctors, they have trouble grasping this. Life began in the only solution in the solar system of the entire periodic table of of the elements. And that solution is called the ocean. And the ocean carried evolved species and their development for over 2 billion years. In other words, I mean, no doctor has ever not been flabbergasted by this. When I ask an audience of doctors, how long did How long did all the species of everything, plant, animal, how long did it stay in the ocean before it actually sought a a terrestrial existence? I don't know, a million years, uh, 10 million years, whatever. No, 2 billion years, 2 billion years. And I said, life became so intrinsically, every aspect of it, the genes, chromosomes, et cetera, every aspect became so connected with the periodic table and nobody even talks about the periodic table. Nope. There is a person all of your attendees should know. His name is August Professor August Dunning. Mm-hmm. August Dunning is a professor like Professor Emeritus at Caltech, you know, one of the most prestigious universities in the world, Mm -hmm. August Dunning, Professor August Dunning. 
and he has a video on YouTube and so on. I'm going to guess it's been out for more than five years. It's called Habitat Crisis. Now, August Dunning is an astrophysicist. And I don't know if you remember, I happen to be not an astrophysicist, but I'm an astronautical engineer by by education. Mm -hmm. So we have this like connection. And we both figured out the same thing independently. This astrophysicist who is, you know, 10 times more brilliant than I'd all ever be, is one of like the designers of the space station, the International Space Station. But something, he's a thinker, he looks and he goes, holy mackerel, man evolved in the ocean and the species became so dependent upon what the ocean chemistry? What the hell is the ocean chemistry? Oh my God! It's a it's a unique solution of the entire periodic table of the elements, and the elements are what make up the whole universe. And the story became like, holy mackerel! This is incredible story. And he said, "I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at this at the diseases." the incidence of chronic disease and the loss, if he didn't know if there was a loss, Mm -hmm. the loss of the minerals and trace elements from 1900 to present. You have to see the chart Mm -hmm. because as the minerals went down on this side, the chronic disease went up. I mean, it is, you know, key and lock. Mm -hmm. And it's so definitive, there's nothing, in my opinion, there is nothing that has allowed chronic disease to become the most egregious modern affliction than people's ignorance of obtaining minerals and trace elements. Mm -hmm. The whole periodic table, it ain't in your food anymore. Even if you have the primary minerals, like calcium, magnesium, potassium, phosphorus, iron, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's 70 plus more trace elements that virtually no research has ever been done on. Mm -hmm. For good reason. It's, it's, It's like so complicated. Like we don't, no one's inspired to test, well, how many parts per billion of of, of titanium might our cells need. No one's going to oh, ever figure that out. Because we also or can't patent it, right? <laughs> so it- and they, well, you brought probably the biggest motivating mm-hmm. factor not to do it. So if you just, he just, so August Dunning just said, hey, this is one of the greatest awarenesses there is, the need for the full suite of minerals and trace elements. But he went off in a unique direction. My direction, frankly, was just, hey, you better drink some pure seawater, okay, your whole life. And in fact, drink it before you have a baby. That's the best time. The fetus, the amniotic fluid of the fetus is just a a facsimile of the primordial ocean. Mm -hmm. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what nature says it's supposed to be. It's forming the fetus in its own ocean. But what doctor tells a woman she has to have the periodic table of the elements in her body fluids to supply the baby? You know, 
No one. Maybe this many doctors who've been to my class. Mm-hmm. So, so have your people go and look up Habitat Crisis. I think it's a YouTube. There's many forms of it, but it's just a revelation. And 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 I'm not even sure how we got into the mineralization. Oh, now I know. Should you put it in your water? Mm-hmm. Well, water is a great way to use it. It doesn't matter really if you take it directly. Mm-hmm or put it in your water. It's nice to have minerals in the water for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, and I'm, I'm, I reluctantly use this word structuring. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an, it's a largely meaningless word that people are magically attracted to. Yeah. I wish they're they throwing were, it around pretty loosely right now. Right. Oh my God. Um, and, 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 and here's another point I'd like to make while we're on the structuring words topic. Structuring can be a thousand different things. It can be the water molecular configurations mm-hmm. that change with temperature and, and, and every picosecond. It can be magnetic influences, resonant influences. There's just thousands of things that can put make an effect in water that the water will memorize. But I tell people very few structured, especially artificially structured uh, attempts to, to, to modify water or influence it are going to survive the stomach experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I tell people these structures in water are delicate. Okay. They're, they're, they're fragile and you're going to drink a glass of water. And I have shocked so many scientists over this who go, holy mackerel, I didn't think of that. I said, your stomach can dissolve a sirloin steak in 20 minutes. Do you have any idea what it does to just a glass of water? Yeah, I imagine. The interaction. And, and no one thought of this before. And just for, for your purposes, When I tell people, if you want to see, I tell researchers, if you want to see what's structured, if you make something you call structured water that's supposed to do this, test it on people by having them nebulize the water. Mm -hmm. Okay? Take it directly into the bloodstream. Don't try to go through the gastrointestinal tract, at least to discover what your capabilities are. Mm -hmm. Very cool, Robert. Have I taken this too far? No, 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 no. Uh, look, there's. <laughs> you've made me realize that we're going to have to have another podcast in on many different topics. But I, I want to bring up a word that comes very uh, often up when we talk about your name in particular. And uh, just because I, I've always wanted to ask you about this, deuterium and deuterium depleted water. Okay. Talk us through sort of... Okay, this this is something that has come along the biohacking scene in recent years, but for the vast majority of people out there, uh, you know, deuterium, they don't even know what it is. Uh, and so if you can walk us through just sort of what is deuterium and sort of that deuterium depleted water, why should we care? Fitting that in a podcast about water, I'm going to share with you what type of water filter I use. For a long time, I was a flag waiver for a different company, but 
Upon recent investigation, I became concerned about their quality control process, but also the authenticity of their initial lab results. I switched, and now I'm a loyal user of the AquaTrue. In fact, I'm so loyal that I got one for my parents. If you want to get yours, you can head on over to the show notes here, decodingsuperhuman.com slash Slovak. You can click on AquaTrue, and they'll take you over to the website where I share with you the story of how I got one, got my parents one, and enjoy it quite a bit. Again, head on over to the show notes, decodingsuperhuman.com slash Slovak. Check that out, and let's get back to the show. I think that's a very fair question, and I don't know if you know that just on Saturday, we did a deuterium depletion summit. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we had the top deuterium experts from the world, Mm -hmm. from Turkey to Russia to from, from Romania, just the best, the best of the best, the guys who put the research and the science to deuterium. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and it's, it's quite a story Imagine me after 50 years plus in studying the removal of contaminants in water. Yeah. That I I always paid attention to biological experiments that involve water with deuterium, less deuterium, etc. And 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 so this was one of the greatest shocks of my entire life to find out about deuterium. Mm-hmm. Okay. So late in my, in my water career. Now I will tell you that we're going to go back to the periodic table mm-hmm. just for a second. Yep. And we're going to explain what deuterium is. When you look at the periodic table, you notice that the first element is hydrogen. I think everybody knows that. Yep. But not many people know that not only hydrogen, but most of the other elements have more than one version, more than one form. And what do you mean? What what changes it? Well, the changes is is a, a science called isotopes. Isotopes are the variations of a particular element's atoms. So hydrogen, the simplest and lightest element, has one proton and one electron. And the three things that make up all atoms is protons, neutrons, and electrons. They're the Mm -hmm. subparticles of every atom. But hydrogen doesn't have a neutron, or at least the hydrogen most people think of. It's just the proton and an electron. Mm -hmm. But early on, I mean, so early, we're talking about Big Bang early. We're talking 13.8 billion years ago early. The first two particles that were created, it appears, was the proton and the neutron. Mm -hmm. And those proton and neutron went out we're talking about in microseconds went out looking for something to, to, to complete them and they found electrons. So the proton found an electron and formed a hydrogen atom. Mm -hmm. And the proton and the neutron stuck together in a way and they found an electron. 
And that was hydrogen too. But we call that deuterium. Mm -hmm. The regular hydrogen, just proton and electron, we call, scientists call protium. Mm -hmm. We distinguish it. So isotope number one is protium, just proton and electron. Isotope number two, a neutron is added to the nucleus. So it's a proton, a neutron, and an electron. And there is isotope number three that we're not, it's called tritium, and we're not even going to discuss it. <laughs> and it happens to be slightly radioactive, mm -hmm. but it's beyond the scope of this. Mm -hmm. So everybody said, wow, that's interesting that there's another, there's this heavier isotope because it has a neutron. This was discovered in 1931. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, 1931 wasn't long before World War II. It was getting ready, right? When scientists realized that there was a heavier form of hydrogen called deuterium, especially the atomic scientists like Einstein in the United States, mm -hmm. I'm not sure he was in the U.S. at that time, I kind of think maybe, uh, but in Heisenberg in Germany, they go, holy mackerel, this is a gift from the gods because mm -hmm. we can make something called a nuclear reactor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Deuterium allows you to make a nuclear reactor. Deuterium, it didn't take very long for them to figure out that it also enabled them to make the atomic bomb. So people went on the rampage to make and extract this deuterium mm -hmm. from water. Mm -hmm. So those two isotopes, protium and hydrogen, can exchange each other in any chemical reaction. The primary one is they can combine, they can go seek out in the universe an oxygen molecule. Two of them can combine and now you have water that includes one or possibly two deuterium hydrogens. Mm -hmm. So if we were to call protium just H, because we're used to calling it hydrogen, we have three kinds of molecules that water can form. Mm -hmm. H2O, and if we call deuterium D, we can have an H and a D and an O, HDO. And we can have a D2O. Mm -hmm. Those three mo molecules of water are in every glass of water on the planet. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yikes. Just blew a bunch of people's minds here. But this is, uh, this is fascinating. Now we have to go what? take it one blew step further for us. What blew everyone's mind, though, is when they realized that the deuterium unlike any other element in the periodic table, Boomer, is twice as heavy as the regular hydrogen. Mm -hmm. And yet it can, it, can, it, it can replace it in any substance reaction in the whole universe. That's what isotopes are enabled to do. So you can make water with either protium or deuterium, you can make sugars with it. You can make fats with it. 
you can have it coat the 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 DNA spiral. Okay, it's everywhere. And that twice as heavy part, I try to impress upon what a scientist realized when he said twice as heavy. I tell people, an audience usually, even doctors, hey guys, imagine waking up in the morning and you're 15 pounds heavier, okay? Mm-hmm. That, 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 that would be serious for, for a lot of you, okay? Mm-hmm. And women would react very, very unhappy with that result. But imagine waking up twice as heavy. Mm-hmm. That's a game changer that that scientists realized was what they had with deuterium. Mm-hmm. So something twice as heavy replacing the regular protium hydrogen in a fat is going to act differently in all the reactions in living things. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is heavy. I mean, yeah. when I realized this, I, I literally, I mean, you know, I literally was like shaking my head. This can't be. I can't have learned this so late. And then I quickly realized that this deuterium does so many things that are uh, are unfavorable to living things, plants and animals, doesn't matter. It does so many unpleasant things that I started to look at it like no one else actually was looking at it as a contaminant. They, they didn't identify it as a contaminant, but I did because I came from the world of water contaminants. Mm-hmm. And I can't think, imagine that I'm 70 years old, discovering, that's six years ago, discovering that water has a contaminant in it that I didn't know about that is as egregious as any contaminant known, and it's water too. That water is a contaminant Mm -hmm. if it has deuterium in it. (laughs) And that, then I said, well, you know, I quickly realized, well, how how do you get rid of it? Can't we just filter it out? You're the RO guy, just figure. No, you can't remove, no technology can remove deuterium from water except elaborate processes. And one of the processes that's most common that makes this bottle of, this bottle of water, mm-hmm. okay, um, one of the processes is called fractional distillation rectification. Mm-hmm. It's a variation that's many, 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 many times more complicated than distillation. Mm-hmm. But it basically separates the molecules into a vapor and the lighter molecules go up three stories and are condensed and fall drop by drop mm-hmm. to make water that is without deuterium. And because deuterium is heavy, we call the water that doesn't have deuterium light water. That's the word that's been given to it. Mm -hmm. And it's only made 
in four countries in the world. Mm -hmm. Russia, Romania, Hungary, and China. (laughs) And there's very little bit made. Only enough right now for about 40,000 people. Wow. Which... I don't have to tell you, certainly wouldn't get far in Amsterdam. No, and the supply (laughs) demand dynamics on that one explain why in Erewhon I have to pay so much money for deuterium depleted water. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now this has become the focus of my my current career, Mm -hmm. that we... Our company called drinklightwater.com is the website, mm-hmm. but it our company is called Lightwater Scientific. Two years ago, about a little earlier in, in the year than, than we are now, got on a plane with my Russian scientist friend, Victor, and, and we headed we headed to Moscow to meet the scientists. We needed to know more about this. And we knew that for most of recent history, the the focus was on getting deuterium, not eliminating it Mm -hmm. because they wanted to make reactors and bombs. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nobody was studying. Well, what if you, what if you, what about, what if we take the deuterium out? What does that do? Well, nobody cared about that. They were making reactors and bombs, but the Russians who kind of missed the opportunity to make the reactors and bombs, at least in the late fifties said, what the heck does this water do? If we, if, what if we increase the deuterium, what does that do? Mm -hmm. What if we just have pure deuterium water? All the water is HDO and D2O. What if we do that? Well, they found out very quickly, if you just had pure deuterium water and it would look, just like this, it would taste just like regular water. If you gave that to a laboratory animal, he wouldn't live for the rest of the day. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty serious. If you put that pure deuterium water on a plant, it, it certainly wouldn't be alive the next day. Mm-hmm. And you're going, I mean, I was going, this is crazy. I mean, what a contaminant that looks exactly like water, tastes exactly like water, functions like water. You can cook your spaghetti in it. That this would kill any living thing. And in fact, even if you only have 20%, if you only have 20% of the water as deuterium, pretty much nothing can live in it. Mm-hmm. Maybe a few days. So that like, whoa, then the Russians actually said, well, what if we remove all the deuterium? So how much deuterium is in this water? There is in regular water, there's about six drops of deuterium water or water molecules that contain deuterium atoms. Mm -hmm. There's about six drops in every liter. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's all. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why people go, who cares, six drops? I mean, scientists knew that all along. Six drops, I mean, you know, 
we've all lived this long. We all live to, you know, 80, 90, 100 years old. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But they didn't realize what was going to happen when they pushed the envelope. So the Russian people, the Russian scientists, started to study all the effects of removing those six drops. And it, it, it's, it's a story that is just beginning to be told. And they started that investigation in the late 50s. They figured out most of it by the 70s. And then kind of 60 years later, they decided to tell the rest of the world. <laughs> there was some thought about when you know what deuterium depleted water can do, you'd want to take advantage of it. Like if you had a little group of a, a cult or something, you'd want that cult. Or, or Olympians. Huh? Or Olympians, I imagine. Stuff like that. You brought up a very good point, mm -hmm. and there are Olympians and some extremely, the world's, there are a number of the world's famous athletes who realize what deuterium depletion means. And I want to impress, there, there's nothing special about the water. It's, and, and I try to make sure people don't see this as some kind of like neat, herbal potion mm -hmm. that you, you drink. And once you get it in your body, it's going to do something. This doesn't do anything, but get rid of your deuterium. Mm -hmm. You need to get rid of what's already in your body. Mm -hmm. You don't need to add anything, just get rid of it. So this, this water is just simple, stupid water that doesn't have the six drops of deuterium. And it just kind of flushes out your deuterium in your body in a process we call deuterium depletion. Mm -hmm. And one of the most famous scientists who is an expert in deuterium, Laszlo Boros, Dr. Laszlo Boros, who, who, who is also a, a doctor at UCLA, um, and one of the most famous people on the internet, uh, he has many YouTubes, and explains the, the, the science, the inner science. Most, most of your audience probably wouldn't relate to his, his talks, um, as excellent as they are. But he's renamed deuterium depletion, depletion. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's created a new word. So it's just really getting more and more popular. And uh, we are looking for ways, our company, Lightwater Scientific, is looking for ways right now to, to have a deuterium depletion facility in the United States. Yeah. Because we see that this is... This is a, a, a very important technology for, for, for health and wellness. So Robert, and, and I'm afraid we're coming up on time here. So I have to ask my one question and, and look, the <laughs> invitation is going to be open for a round two. And I want to get that scheduled soon because there's a whole host of things I'm not even going to get to ask you. The benefits of deuterium depletion. So First, how long does it take? So you take the water. Is it instantaneous that all of the deuterium leaves? I imagine. You asked the great question. Yeah, and what are the benefits? That, that, that is really needed. First of all, the body has those six drops in every liter of your total body water. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Because all the water that you consume and you know you're by weight, you're 60 to 70% water. And by water molecule, this is getting to be a more and more popular statistic. If, if we divide the body up into the types of molecules it's comprised of, okay? I mean, there's water molecules, fat molecules, bone molecules, blah, blah, blah. Your body happens to be 98.8% water molecules, mm -hmm. okay? So all that water came from outside sources in your whole life, and it all contains six drops of deuterium. So you contain six drops of deuterium. I contain maybe three drops of deuterium, okay? Because I have been depleting. Mm -hmm. So what does it do? Okay, so let's change the nomenclature to teach your audience. The six drops we normally call, it, we put it in a little more scientific term, 150 parts per million. I think much of your audience is aware of this. Yeah. That was used on supplements and so on. And pretty much, though it, it's not exactly this, but parts per million in science is very similar to milligrams per liter. Okay? So if you were to pick up water that had, um, you know, extra magnesium in it, mm -hmm. you, it, might, it would probably be expressed as, you know, This bottle of water contains 200 milligrams per liter or 200 parts per million mm -hmm. of magnesium. Mm -hmm. But that's why I'm just trying to give you a little science here because mm -hmm. I always take the opportunity to, to teach science, um, uh, sneak it into our science deficient culture. Yeah. So, so you're 150. Now you need to take some, you need to drink water that's lower than 150 to start depleting. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to, you can start depleting with 130 part per million water. I use this number because 130 part per million was how the Russian gerontologists in the 50s and 60s, the 60s and 70s found a group of, of Siberians that uniquely had natural water that was 130 parts per million. Mm -hmm. It's very, 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 very rare mm -hmm. to have this low in nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, the oceans are 155 and the, you know, the, the, a lake in Bolivia is 150, but these people had water that was 130 because In meteorological effects, like the hydrologic cycle, the deuterium can be separated out in freezing and thawing cycles. We won't get into it, mm -hmm. but and resulting in water that's more depleted mm -hmm. in deuterium. And this was 130. Now, these, they, th th these people got their attention because they had... Many, 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 many times more people who lived over a hundred, okay? Some into the 130, 140 range than the rest of the Russian population. Mm -hmm. And it took them like a decade to figure out what it was. They looked at all the things, you know, how they grew food, their social, did they pray, all that neat stuff. But in the end, it was because the people drank water from birth till death. Birth till death is an important thing to realize here. 
that if you were to have this water 130 part per million, which isn't very depleted, like 15%, from birth till death, the benefits of longevity, anti-aging, how long you can bear children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it are magnificent. Mm-hmm. So why is it magnificent? Because there's a direct relationship, certainly, with deuterium and your mitochondria. Mm-hmm. And we, you and I, are going through a period of time that, not so much you, but me, but the previous paradigm that I lived in for health was pretty much free radicals and antioxidants. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, that, that, that shaped the whole health paradigm. Mm-hmm. Now we're moving to metabolism and mitochondria. Mm-hmm. Science has shifted us there, partly because of scientific developments. I mean, the mitochondria are so difficult to even find and study that it took all these decades to go, holy mackerel, these are more, these are as important as your genes. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody knew they supplied the energy, but people didn't even realize how important the energy was. It fuels every everything shuts down if you're my mitochondria. Doesn't matter it, it, that you have genes if you don't have mitochondria, mm-hmm. okay? Because they won't even be able to transcribe proteins, okay? So, mitochondria m- metabolism and mitochondria are becoming the focus of of medicine and 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 pursuit of of a healthy lifestyle Mm -hmm. so when you take this water if you had it if you said hey i'm gonna have a child i'm gonna raise this child i'd say you don't have to go anything less than to have these extraordinary results you don't have to go anything less than 130 but you're not a child anymore and i'm far far from a child Mm -hmm. So I started out at 70 plus, okay, with 80 part per million water, Mm -hmm. okay? I wanted to deplete, and because I'm a scientist, I wanted to see what that was going to do for me. But typically, people can take between 110 to 120 ppm water, okay, Mm -hmm. parts per million of deuterium, and that water started out at one point in some facility at 150. And you're going to slowly, in the period of, let's say, if you're, if you're as disciplined as you are uh, and, and, and Tim Gray, you're going to be down to 120 in two months. Okay. Now, how do you know you are? There is something, and we own one of the few in in America, a deuterium analyzer. Yeah, they're very elaborate things that cost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Blah blah blah, and they can test the deuterium in water, of course, and they can test the deuterium in saliva, mm-hmm. and we use that as a measure. So, people, if we, I were to test you and all your friends, okay, in in, in Amsterdam. All of you, I could say, are, will be between 148 and 152. Yeah. That little bit of a spread. Mm-hmm. So if you all drank between 110 and 120, 
And, and, and when I say drink, I don't mean, oh, here, just drink this 10-ounce glass a day. It's not like that. You have to replace to do this faithfully. Let's say 90% of your water. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to be that rigorous, you can use other other depletion uh, enhancements like ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. We, We don't have the time to get into why that helps your mitochondria get rid of deuteria. Mm -hmm. Okay. But there are things, exercise, infrared sauna, early morning sun, you know, maybe grounding or earthing also helps to remove deuterium. But all of this stuff goes along with the culture of deuterium depletion. And I suggest that people spend the time two to three months have in consuming, let's say, 110 ppm water. And for instance, this, just to show you, there's... We make these two products from Russia. Mm-hmm. One's 10 parts per million. This is our mainstream. Mm-hmm. So when you mix, when you don't drink 10 parts per million, yeah. you drink, say, you mix it with three other equivalent amounts to get 110. And you drink that. You make your coffee with it. No more visits to Starbucks. Okay. Um, you, you, you make your, you like almond milk. You've got to make it with this water. Yeah. And you make you love green tea, which you everybody should. You need to make it with this water. Mm-hmm. And when you have that discipline, you within two to three months you can get down to a lower level. What the hell happens to you? Well, it happened to me. I mean, I have always been an energetic person for for my age. Okay, mm-hmm. but I have gone into, and I can look somebody straight in the eye. I do have. I do feel. I do, when I leave this workspace and I go out into the world, I am a 46-year-old person, not a 76-year-old person. Wow. Okay? I can, I can, I, I found myself, because I don't have opportunities, you know, to throw the baseball around or kick the soccer ball as much as other people, I will park in every parking lot at the furthest parking space and run to the front door of, of, of the mall or the store. Mm-hmm. That's just, I have to spill energy <laughs> and it's, and, and sometimes I feel goofy about it because I'm passing another 70 year old. Okay. And I'm going, Holy shit. The guy doesn't know. Okay. He, it's, it's so sad. The guy does not know that you can do this at 70. Mm-hmm. So that's the effect it has. And other things start happening with your health too, okay? Things start disappearing. Uh, There's things that um, there are serious health benefits in terms of chronic illness that we are not comfortable discussing because of the, the restrictions on us in saying this, but they're profound, for deuterium depleted water and our customers, many of our customers know this and take it for that reason. And there are some profound benefits. So for even the most egregious health uh, afflictions. 
Robert, this is a, a fascinating conversation. And I know it's just a part one because I'm going to book your time very soon uh, for a part two. Cool. Where can people find I'm out? Sorry, I no, no, no. So this is amazing. Uh, and look, I, I kind of suspected that this conversation would go this way in the sense that I just knew I would need more time with you. Uh, where can people find out more about you right now, Robert? I would say there's two companies, actually three I rep companies who represent water and wellness, which is water and spelled out waterandwellness.com. They can read about me there. And this has some unique products like my favorite one of all time, even more favorite, the Quintone. The, the mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I am also, because I'm the creator of the original one, Hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Okay, hydrogen tablets. I'm a big, that's something we should talk about perhaps yeah, the next time. Absolutely. I'm very involved in the benefits of molecular hydrogen. And then there's Lightwater Scientific, whose website is drinklightwater.com. And I'm also, I don't know if you read or that I'm also associated with as one of the primary investors in Chris Shade's company, Quicksilver Scientific. I did, yeah. And so what is very unique and very happened very organically is that Chris Shade just dropped in the world's lap an entire suite of metabolic-oriented nutraceuticals Mm -hmm. that are simply brilliant. And if the people... Can if the people can go and see, I'm not even sure how we show it, but that deuterium depletion seminar, uh, deuterium depletion summit mm-hmm. that we did this past Saturday, Chris Shade does a talk that you must you must listen to, mm-hmm. and also I just want to tell people anybody who's like confronting cancer, Thomas. Uh, Seafried, mm-hmm. Thomas Seafried, book author, the metabolic, uh, you know, cancer is a metabolic disease, a must for your audience. I've, I've seen Thomas speak find, before. He's a very articulate. Have you? Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. Phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, a game changer. So, I mean, if you're, you know, not happy with your oncologist, please give him a book by Thomas Seafried. It was fantastic. So that's my main thrust in my life right now and, um, and, and doing podcasts and trying to help humanity. I'm also an activist, if you don't mind my saying, it's a plug against 5G. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, not just 5G. We use this as a symbol. I'm against all EMF. We have to shut it down. It, I, I mean, I can't even believe humanity got ourselves in this amount of trouble and, and corporations are just driving things into our lives that are not good for us. Mm-hmm. And um, 5G is one of the most egregious uh, of, of them. Mm-hmm. Robert, uh, look, we're going to continue this conversation. This is fantastic. And thank you for all the work you do and really spreading the word uh, and educating my audience. So thank you for being here today. You're very welcome. It was a great interaction. Thank you. You got to love people that tell amazing stories. You got to love people that have fantastic life experiences. You got to love people who are very open about those life experiences. 
There are a number of different topics that I obviously wanted to get to today, but due to a number of factors, Robert and I are going to have to continue this conversation for part two very, very soon. The show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Slovak, that's S-L-O-V-A-K. And if you enjoyed it, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to this stuff. Even Amazon, I guess, is in the game now too. And leave a rating because all five-star ratings help. Leave a comment and you're going to hear yours on the air soon. Thank you for listening and have an amazing day.